This is an ABC podcast. Nothing I can say, a total eclipse of a heart. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. The small West Australian town of Exmouth, with a population of around 3,000, is nestled at the top northwest Cape, about 1,200 k's north of Perth. And Exmouth is preparing for something special a total solar eclipse. And it will bring up to 50,000 stargazers and eclipse chasers from all around the world. A total solar eclipse, it's triggered by the alignment of the moon and the sun. And Exmouth will be plunged into total darkness for 62 seconds as the moon's shadow crosses the peninsula. The moon moving across the sun in total will take about three hours. And get this, during that time, some stars and planets will become visible, the air temperature will drop, and some animals may change their behaviour. The town of Exmouth will be one of the few accessible locations on Earth, and it's happening on the 20th of April. But don't think about going because people have been planning for about 10 years. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Eden Hennenen, joining you from ABC Ballarat. Eden, have you ever dreamt of being an eclipse chaser? (laughs) I can't say I've dreamt of being an eclipse chaser itself, but I'm pretty fascinated by space. And just hearing you say then, Rochelle, about the 62 seconds that will be in complete darkness, that just gives me complete goosebumps. Um, pretty amazing like you think our time on earth I'm getting a bit deep here but you don't get many opportunities to look at space like that and contemplate where we are in the universe I I just find it really fascinating and the fact that 50,000 people will be all thinking like that and some have traveled some people chase eclipses their entire lives and this will be one of the most significant total solar eclipses I mean today we're going to learn you know what makes it so special you know what will be visible but then there's also another side of it as well as this is a relatively small town only 3,000 people in Exmouth but it's also so pristine the the ecosystem of Exmouth and and what it encapsulates how it looks. It's something pretty special that Australia has. So what what happens when 50,000 people kind of ascend and then leave? You know, Does it have the infrastructure needed? Definitely. And you say a town of 3,000 people. I've been hearing some stories off air from locals who are very concerned about this many people coming in. But I, I've been doing a bit of research and I've, we'll have someone on today that Um, has been to a number of eclipses, but 19 eclipses I read one man went to. They travel around the world and find, um, you know, I'm sure these small towns, and I wonder how they cope as well. It must be something that happens quite often. It's every 18 months, I think. Well, you've got to think about everything from water, sewerage, accommodation, respecting the ecosystem as well. So maybe you booked, you know, maybe you were well and truly organised and you were booked to go to Exmouth this April to see the total solar eclipse. Or maybe you've travelled to other places to see a total solar eclipse. Are you an eclipse chaser? I have to admit, I'm someone that didn't even get up for Halley's Comet, all right? So, (laughs) So... But this fascinates me and the idea that you can be plunged into complete darkness for up to a minute and that it changes the behaviour of animals as well. 
I find that so fascinating. I've been reading articles in different parts of the country where in India people won't get on planes. Um, in other countries, women won't, pregnant women won't go outside because it's bad luck. It, it does some really wacky things, like when there's a full moon and you hear stories of crazy things happening. It's it's pretty fascinating. I'd love to learn more about that today. So, are you an eclipse chaser? How far have you travelled to see a total solar eclipse? Are you heading to Exmouth, or maybe you've got friends and family that live in Exmouth, and how are they feeling about having close to what some people are saying? 50,000 people ascend to their town. Professor Fred Watson is Australia's astronomer at large. Professor Watson, this is incredible when you start to think about what will happen. I mean, first things first, can you paint a picture? Can you describe what people in Exmouth will see on April 20? I can, uh, and uh, delightful to be with you, Rochelle. The, um, uh, the, the point about an eclipse is that it all hangs on an incredible cosmic coincidence. Uh, and that's the first thing that gives me goosebumps. The fact that the moon uh, is 400 times smaller than the sun, but on average is 400 times nearer than the sun. So the two objects look to be the same size in the sky. And there's no cosmic reason for that. That's just a coincidence. But what it means is uh, that every so often, uh, and it, it occurs at new moon, because that's when the moon and the sun and the earth are in a straight line, uh, the moon itself passes directly in front of the disk of the sun. Uh, you've described it really well. It's a stately progress as the uh, as the, the, the moon starts taking an ever bigger bite out of the disk of the sun. Uh, and the, the light changes, actually, as you watch it. You get a sort of greyness in the sky, which um, comes with some quite strange atmospheric effects, as well as the, the strange effect on animals that you referred to, which I've seen myself several times. Uh, but then there is this magical moment when the disk of the moon exactly covers the disk of the sun. And effectively, the sun turns to black. And that is really, well, wow. it's, it's weird. It's so far beyond our normal experience. Um, and, and you can imagine that early people on Earth would have had no idea what was happening when this usually bright disk suddenly becomes black. Uh, what happens, in fact, is that in that darkness, the sun's outer atmosphere, its corona, is revealed. And so you've got this sort of shimmering glow around the, the, the blackened disk of the sun. As you mentioned earlier, the stars become visible, planets become visible, uh, and the temperature drops. It is an, an extraordinary experience, mm. and it's brief. Uh, the, uh, the, the eclipse on the 20th of April, as you said, is about 60 seconds. You can have eclipses that last up to six or seven minutes. Oh, uh, Professor, uh, I was, so, yeah, I was sorry. reading about uh, in, in Mexico, I think it was about seven minutes that they were in complete yes. darkness. What is yep. it about that feeling? Why do people talk about this feeling that they get when they watch an eclipse? I think it's. Uh, I think it's got many uh, origins. Uh, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but um, the fact that you're watching something, a piece of sort of cosmic clockwork that is really fundamental to the way the world works. The fact, in fact, it's probably because of the moon that we are here at all. It's, uh, the moon has stabilised over cosmic history, has stabilised the, the rotation of the Earth, so we haven't had major wobbles of the Earth's axis. Uh, it kind of acts like a flywheel. So there's that connection with the cosmic clockwork that you, you realise that you are watching a brief 
uh, instant in time, which is set up by just the fact that we live in this amazing solar system uh, with, with uh, you know, the, all, all the planets doing their thing, but in particular our moon doing its thing. Um, and so there's that, but the, plus this, the, the fact that it is, uh, it's a really awe-inspiring sight to see the, the the sun gone and turned into, yes. a, as I said, a disk of blackness. Well, there's a text here from Clint that says, Richard Eden, I'm 61 and in my early teens we had a total eclipse in Melbourne. We decided to go to the local park and climb up to the top of a pine tree to wait for it. I will never forget all the birds coming to roost in the same tree when it got dark. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Thinking that the day was over. Can you see... Fred, despite all of the things that you've mentioned in terms of the stars and the planets, can you see this with the natural eye or do you need incredible equipment? The people that are, that are travelling from all around the world, the eclipse chasers and the stargazers, have they all got specialist equipment in order to see this? Um, yes, most of them do come with stuff that lets you see it better. But uh, in fact, the, you know, the naked eye is uh, is perfectly adequate to see the blackened sun. Um, you've got to be very careful, though, because uh, when the even when there's still a tiny sliver of the sun's disk visible, um, it is too bright to look at directly. And particularly if you're thinking about binoculars or anything, forget it, because looking at the sun through binoculars or a telescope will immediately damage your eyes permanently. Uh, and so... Uh, a lot of people bring equipment with special filters on so that you can you can safely look at the sun. There are ways of projecting the disk of the sun onto a piece of paper as well, but you, you need a bit of you know practice to do that sort of thing. Um, when the moment of totality or the the time of totality, that's how we describe this this period when the the, the the sun's disk is completely covered. It is then safe to use binoculars, but you have to be really careful because as soon as the moves the, the mm. moon has moved on a bit, uh, it will be dangerous to do that. But that that binocular view of the sun's corona, uh, this outer atmosphere, is really very special indeed. Um, it, it's it's a, a curious whitish colour. It's got streaks and structures in it which come from the sun's magnetic field. It's an amazing sight. Professor, if you wouldn't mind holding, we've got Ian in Rosebud who saw an eclipse in the 80s. What was that like, Ian? I think, got... think Ian's decided to do some trade Chainsawing. Chainsawing <laughs> while he's waiting for us. Or either that or he's gone to the Grand Prix, I'm not sure. Ian, we'll pop you back on hold. Lots of people talking as well, Professor, about in 2028 there'll be a total solar eclipse right over Australia, passed directly over Sydney at 2pm. In Melbourne there'll be an 80% chance of an eclipse. Is that true? It's not an 80% chance. Uh, what it means is that the sun's disk will only be covered 80%. So just to set the scene with this, the, the path of the moon's shadow across the Earth um, uh, which is, you know, where you've got to be. You've got to be somewhere on that path to see the total eclipse. That path is only typically 50, 60 kilometres wide. So that's why it's so specific to any given location. Uh, so Melbourne, yes, in 2028, will see the sun's disk covered perhaps 80%, but it won't see uh, a total eclipse. Um, I'm going to... Uh, 
go out on a limb here mm -hmm. and just mention that um, um, the next uh, total eclipse after this one is on the 8th of April 2024. It will, the path of totality goes across the United States. And um, if you care to look at fredwatson.com.au, you'll find that I'll be taking a tour group there. So that might be something that uh, your listeners might want I to watch. I think you will have absolutely, <laughs> you're, you're going to get a, a strong hit of people. Um, <laughs> Professor, I, I thought uh, before learning a bit more about this that total eclipses didn't happen very often, but I was reading that it happens nearly every 18 months. Is that right? Yeah, it's actually more frequently than that. On average, there are two eclipses a year. Um, in fact, two of each kind, because the, the other kind is what's called a total eclipse of the moon, which is when the Earth's shadow crosses the moon. So that's uh, that happens at full moon, uh, whereas the total eclipse of the sun happens at new moon. It's when the, when the moon blocks out the light of the sun. Uh, a couple of them a year. But what makes them rare is that on any given, uh, sorry, what makes a total eclipse of the sun rare is that on any given location on Earth, they don't happen very often. It's because of this, what I was saying before, the fact that the, the track of the moon across the, uh, across the Earth's surface, the track of the moon's shadow is such a narrow thing that for any given lo location, it's quite a rare event. And that's why when looking at Exmouth on the map, I'm sure we spoke about this earlier, Rochelle, just looking at where it is on the very tip of Australia and just seeing that that it will happen at that specific point. It's pretty incredible that people get to come and, and see it. Was it 40 kilometres wide at that area? It's something of that sort, that's right. Um, if, I, if I can give another plug, the Astronomical Society of Australia, which is the body of professional astronomers in Australia, has got a marvellous website that your listeners might be interested to have a look at. Uh, it's, uh, I'll just give the URL, it's eclipse.asa.astronomy.org.au and that uh, takes you to a page that starts countdown to totality and I can tell you at this moment we're 42 days, 3 hours, uh, 11 minutes and <laughs> 12 seconds uh, from the total eclipse <laughs> at Exmouth. But it gives you all the details. It's a brilliant website uh, that's well worth a look. Uh, stay with us. Professor Fred Watson, Australia's astronomer at large, is with you. You're in the Conversation Hour. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host Eden Hennan, and we're talking about a total solar eclipse. It will be happening in the best place to be to see it on the 20th of April in a relatively small town of Exmouth in WA. But plenty of people talking about total eclipses that they have seen, total solar eclipses. John in Geelong says, I was driving down Swanston Street during Melbourne's eclipse. It was just so spooky. And Dee's in Warrnambool. Good morning, Dee. Good morning. What did you see? Uh, well, when I was a child, I was growing, I grew up on a farm out in uh, the Western District near Hamilton. Um, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but it would have been uh, probably, I reckon it would have been in the uh, 19, late 1960s. And we were standing out the back of the house in a paddock and we knew that there was an eclipse coming and the all the um, the sky just went black very quickly, and the hens and the roosters um, were caught out up the paddock, and they were making this awful racket, and they came racing back to the house to rest, roost up in the trees that yes. around the house. So they all came back, yeah. um, and they were running, and they were making all these noises. Um, and then probably within about two or three minutes, maybe less, it was a bit hard to guess now, um, the light came back and the 
it was like the chooks were sort of looking around going, what the heck happened? <laughs> that was the shortest sleep I've ever had. And that's exactly... Uh, it was, we just it got was got hilarious. It was hilarious. And we hilarious. just got a, a text come through as well uh, from... Annie in Mornington, where she said, I witnessed a total eclipse in 1980 in Mount Martha. My chickens put themselves to bed, only to emerge a few minutes later completely confused. It must just completely turn things upside down. <laughs> it's amazing to see how the animals react, really, isn't it? Simon's in Currumburra. Good morning, Simon. G'day. How you going, mate? We're, um, we're, he- we're heading over there. It's a 10-day journey to get there. Oh, the wow. How long have you been planning this? Um... Oh, over 12 months. And you ne- and you basically needed to book over 12 months to be able to, be able to stay anywhere that's not a pre-concert in the middle of nowhere. And Simon, is this your first time? What was the attraction? Um, many, many years ago, I was in Vietnam in the mid-90s and there was a 100% eclipse up there. And we were travelling last year around Australia. We went to Exmouth about this time last year and we we're on our way home and my wife said, there's going to be an eclipse. And my son, who's a bit of an avid astronomer, space enthusiast, said, oh, my God, Dad, we have to go. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> so, people have spoken about that feeling that you get and how something in you kind of shifts and whether it's spooky or it's a moment of clarity or whatever it may be. How do you feel? Like what, what happened to you when you saw the eclipse the first time? Uh, it was, I was in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, or Saigon, um, and you almost never see blue sky in that part of the world. It's always so humid and cloud cover, etc., for months and months and months on end. And so the day that it was supposed to be this eclipse, we were all sort of going about our normal business thinking this is going to be no big deal. And about half an hour before the eclipse, it was like God just swept away all the cloud and there was a blue sky (laughs) so that was probably as big an event as the actual eclipse um but yes it's it's quite a it's like the quickest sunset and the quickest sunrise you'll ever experience and there's this very short period of totality where it's very eerie i think is probably the, the, the best way i can describe it and i wanted my children to experience that and i think the reason we're going to Exmouth is it's actually a hybrid eclipse, which is quite different to the sort of eclipse that's going to cover Sydney in about 18 months' time. Maybe the experts can explain what the difference yeah. is. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm so glad that you called through, Simon, and I wish you and your family all the best. It sounds like you're going to have an incredible time. Yep, we're talking eclipses, total solar eclipse. Maybe like Simon and his family, you're heading to Exmouth or you've been to other places and you've witnessed one. Rochelle Hunt and Eden Hennen and with you, and so is Professor Fred Watson. Uh, the point about an eclipse is that it all hangs on an incredible cosmic coincidence. Uh, And that's the first thing that gives me goosebumps. This is the Conversation Hour. And on the 20th of April, in a town that normally has 3,000 population, we'll have close to 50,000 as eclipse chasers from all around the world ascend to Exmouth. Professor Fred Watson is with you, Australia's astronomer at large. And before we speak to some eclipse chasers themselves, Fred... The town itself has to prepare, doesn't it, for something of this magnitude? Because you do have people from all around the world. You, you, you've got 50,000 people from 3,000 people. Is this something 
that I guess towns all around the world need to think about some of the infrastructure and some of the uh, impacts on the beautiful ecosystem and, and the nature of the area? Uh, I think it is. Um, and often the, the eclipses take place, you know, they cross land in the middle of nowhere. And so that is an even more acute problem because uh, you you do get um, lots and lots of eclipse chasers going to somewhere where there's no infrastructure at all. And that involves, you know, mounting camps up and all kinds of things of that sort. That's the, the extreme situation. And I think that was certainly the case. There's an eclipse in round about 2006 in Libya where uh, it was across the desert. And uh, effectively, you had to invent towns uh, and pull them out of nowhere to, to, to cope with all these uh, hundreds and often many thousands of visitors. I think um, Exmouth has, uh, so, uh, you know, it's already got a, a settlement there, but I think the experience of most places that are associated with eclipses is uh, phew, that was not that was far more than we expected. It's often uh, that the infrastructure can be overwhelmed. Uh, and another thing to expect, um, and this happens pretty universally, certainly and all the eclipses I've had anything to do with, there are traffic jams, there are horrendous traffic jams because everybody's trying to get to a small area yes. of the Earth's surface at the same time. Um, thank you so much for your time, Professor Fred Watson, uh, Australia's uh, astronomer at large. We really appreciate your time. Um, and will you be uh, tuning in? to see how things go over in, in Exmouth in the coming months? I'll be, um, I actually will be uh, on a ship for the eclipse, uh, so I'll be offshore, but uh, not, um, I hope anyway, not uh, suffering the traffic jams. But of course, yes, we'll be, uh, we'll be in touch with people there to find out how things wow. are going, how the preparations are going. Uh, the best thing is to look out for it, have a look at those websites I mentioned and, uh, and check out uh, what's, what's likely to be seen. And people can go along with you to Dallas in 2024. They can go to Fred Watson's website and maybe they can be a part of that incredible tour that you will be as well. Fred, we really appreciate your time and explaining this to us. Thanks so much. Great pleasure. Lovely to talk Bye. to you. All the best. Tracy sent this message saying, yes, I saw a total eclipse in Melbourne in 1980 as a teenager. Never felt anything similar again. Complete darkness, complete silence as all of nature stopped. Momentarily, I held my breath and I stopped in awe. It's pretty amazing, Rochelle, isn't it, that they remember the year. We've got another text here saying at high school in either 1973 or four, there was a total eclipse. We made pinhole cameras uh, and had a look through through there. So people remember the exact year that these happened. It's a pretty phenomenal experience, I think, for most people. Well, Phil Hart is an award-winning astrophotographer. He lives in regional Victoria, but is travelling to Exmouth to capture and to photograph this eclipse. And it's going to be so important, Phil, to have documentation at the level that you produce. I guess leading up to this moment, is it stressful? There's a lot of equipment that you have to get over to Exmouth and you'd be relying on the weather somewhat, I could imagine, leading up to it. Hi, Rochelle. I'm completely wired at the moment, losing a lot of sleep. Uh, <laughs> very very stressful trying to pull all the logistics together of what I'm aiming to do. And what, what are you hoping to capture? What are you hoping to see? My, my interest in astrophotography is increasingly about trying to capture events that are unique, so uh, um, right, not going beyond just sort of deep sky photography of nebula and galaxies that are the same every night and you can you know push yourself to get deeper and deeper exposures for me it's really become um, capturing events that are, that are one-off there's a moment you capture it and and then it's gone and you can never do it again 
and and pushing the technical limits, I guess, of telescopes, newer generations of cameras being able to apply the technology to to go beyond what you know you've been able to do in the past. So that's certainly my approach. This time is taking it's 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 within Australia. We can get there by land, so I can get more gear there than I've taken to any eclipse previously. Yeah, multiple telescopes, multiple cameras, trying to capture it in a way beyond what's been done before. And Phil, you sound, I, I must say, a bit stressed about what's coming up. It, it, it sounds like a big moment for you. Yeah, you know these things are coming and you, you develop the plans and then as they get closer, the, the reality obviously starts to hit and inevitably is, you know, I've been rehearsing in the, the yard here at home, uh, trying to pull the gear together. Inevitably, you have some parts of the gear that aren't working as you hoped, and you hit some hurdles, and and then time starts getting tight to resolve those. So, oh, my palms uh, are getting sweaty. Even yeah, just totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear stories, Phil. You know, where people travel all around the world to see eclipses, or they head up to the northern hemisphere to see the northern lights, and then there's clouds. I mean, that they're just things that you can't control, aren't they? That that is really challenging. I mean, um, most eclipses you have a a longer path over land and so you can look at the forecasts in advance and you can make some decisions about where to position yourself and, and really help increase your odds of success. Uh, as say with this path, it's it's a really weird geometry, just clips that very northwest Cape Peninsula but really nowhere else. So you, you've just got one place you can be and you have to accept the weather that's there. Uh, and yeah, if it's cloudy, there will be a lot of very upset people and we'll all have to console each other. Yeah, well, at least you have lots of people there to console you. Just finally, Phil, what are you hoping to do with the photographs? I mean, I can imagine there'd be lots of people, sort of amateur photographers there capturing this, but, you know, the the work that you do is quite incredible. What then happens to... Let's let's cross everything, that it all goes to plan and that the sky is exactly and the weather is exactly as you want it. What then happens to these images? (laughs) If there's people out there that would like to use it, I'd, I'd love them to get in touch philhart.com is my uh, URL plug for the morning. I, I would love to get it in front of as many eyeballs as I can. It's, um, it is a hobby. It's, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to, for as many people to see it as possible. So yeah, people that want to license the footage afterwards, you know, I'd love to make those sort for of connections. Those, yeah, for those of us that don't get, get to see there. it. Phil, we wish you all the best and we're crossing everything that the weather does exactly what you want. Good on you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michelle. See Thanks, Eden. Jim's called through as well. Good morning, Jim. You saw an eclipse. Oh, yes, in the in the um, early 90s. I can't remember exactly the date. We were camping at Phillip Island in the old tent that we used to camp in when the eclipse started. And uh, and I said to the kids, no, you're not allowed to look at it. Everybody go inside. We went inside. There's a little hole in the roof of the tent. And we noticed that the sun was coming in through the hole. And I said, quick, grab a sheet of paper. And the sheet of paper came up underneath the hole and we watched the whole eclipse happen. <laughs> wow. And, and photographed it as well because we got the camera out, we photographed the sheet of paper with it all going on. <laughs> so here we were inside a giant pinhole camera with this leak in the tent roof that was making just the right size to get just the right focus on our sheet of paper to watch. And it was a large, the image was large, uh, maybe eight inches across, um, uh, sorry, 200 millimetres across. So it was a, a really brilliant thing, a great teaching moment for all the yes, kids. Yes, definitely. So, and Jim, how so, did you know to do that? I, I think if that happened for me, I driving in the car with the family, I, that wouldn't come to mind. How did you know what to do? 
Well, we didn't. I just said, no, I don't want you kids looking up at the sun. Get into the tent. They went into the tent and we saw that the light was coming through um, onto the table. And I said, quick, get a sheet of paper and put it up wow. so we can look at it. And there it was. You could hold the sheet of paper at the right angle to get the image. And we all stood there um, and thought, wow. I just love that. I just think that's so clever and inventive of you, Jim. Thank you. Jane in Tyab says there was an eclipse in Melbourne in 1976. My firstborn baby, I had my firstborn baby. We lived in Parkville. We went over to Royal Park and the sounds from the zoo were incredible. All the animals and birds were roaring and trumpeting and every other sound. It was absolutely awesome. Well, Dr. Kate Russo is in a solar eclipse chaser herself. She's been chasing eclipses for over 20 years. Kate, I'm presuming you're heading to Exmouth come April 20. <laughs> of course. Us eclipse chasers will always go anywhere and everywhere to get into the path of totality. But I'm actually heading to Onslow, which is a little bit north of that. Um, that will be my base. And then I will be um, positioning myself on one of the islands within the path of totality there. So I'm not going to be in the, um, you know, in the midst of all the crowds. It'll be quite a uh, a, a nice, quiet experience for myself and the tour group that I'll be with. But um, I am so looking forward to it. 42 days to go and we're counting down. <laughs> and you've been doing this for over 20 years, Kate. What's so exciting about what's coming up in Exmouth? Oh, it's that, you know, seeing a total solar eclipse really is life-changing for many, many people. And I was one of those people. I mean, my first one was in 1999 and I knew that, you know, that you have to get into the path of totality. But when you see one for the first time, even though you know what to expect, you know that the moon's going to move in front of the sun and block it out, you, you just are not prepared emotionally, um, psychologically for what's happening to you. It is a real roller coaster of emotions. It's eerie, it's scary, you feel humbled, you feel connected, you feel huge, um, and it changes the way you view the world. It's so otherworldly. And us eclipse chasers, um, we will do anything to get into that path of totality. So every total solar eclipse is something we look forward to. We plan years in advance. And so this one in particular is really special because we've had COVID lockdowns. Us Australians have been stuck really for the last two years and we've had to miss two so total eclipses. Um, so the last one that I was able to see was in 2019 in Argentina. So I'm, you know, I'm not the only one who's just desperately keen to see yeah. this one because it's been a long time. <laughs> and Kate, you've been obviously all around the world looking at um, eclipses in different small, smaller towns, I imagine. What's it like for, for a small town to have such an influx of, you know, thousands of people come to watch these events? Well, I'm, this is uh, an area that I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm passionate about too because I help communities prepare for total solar eclipses. And I've been to places that have been, you know, cities and also very, very rural areas, out of Mongolia where there's no towns or roads. Um, so every, challenge, every path has its own challenges that have to be overcome to be able to cater. Um, but you don't need to, you know, like a lot of times when I travel independently to see an eclipse, you don't need um, to set up a town. You don't need to go to a town. So a lot of times I've been on my own, you know, like just with a small group of people we're travelling with, it's been okay. So it, it the, the difference with this path is that it's just so concentrated on a very small area of land, um, you know, 60 kilometres wide, 40 kilometres long, and it's just so concentrated there, which is why this is, a, you know, additional 
challenge for that particular location. Um, Someone mentioned the path in 2028 across Australia, which will be huge. And, you know, every every Australian will have opportunities to access that path and get into that path. So that will be very different experience. We'll speak to the the mayor in just a moment about how the the town does prepare and what you need to take into consideration and also to how locals are feeling about this because there's always these big events that happen but then there's the locals that I guess have to live with it and then live with some of the aftermath of huge events and just sheer numbers of people that come to a to a town like Exmouth. But just finally, Kate, you know, you've spoken about how it's life-changing and, you know, when something happens to you in a moment and it does, you feel like, that's it, my life has changed forever. But then eventually... <laughs> You know, you fall back into old ways and you fall back into old bad habits or whatever it may be, or you forget how special and lucky you feel at the time and you start to whinge about everything. I mean, does it carry through with you all the time, this life-changing event? Yeah, I, I know what you're asking. Um, you know, like it, it really impacts upon your life and makes you think differently. And you do get back into the routine of everyday life. I think that Eclipse buzz lasts for quite a long time. <laughs> That's it, the um, Eclipse buzz. Then, That's what I was looking yeah, yeah. for. <laughs> and and we, can, um, we can tap into that, actually. So we, we easily tap into that and it's very grounding. But there's something about the repeated nature of us going to these places which continually remind us about our place in the universe how humbled we are, how lucky we are to be here and how, um, you know, there is a bigger picture. And I'm a psychologist as well. And so, you know, there's something about um, you're living in that moment at that time and it's very powerful, um, but we can't live in that state constantly. Um, But we can do what we can to get back into that state. And um, but Eclipse Chases, we're reminded of that again and again. So that's why it's 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 pretty special for us. What a great way to end our chat. Dr. Kate Russo, thanks so much for your time. No problem. Rochelle, I, I totally relate to that. Oh yeah. I, you know, I've done some meditation courses and you feel completely changed and then you go back into reality and, you know, you start to forget to do these kinds of things. But these chases seem to, you know, yes. constantly well, get I that buzz. Well, I just want to be a person that is able to use the line, the path of totality in... Tot- <laughs> <laughs> you know, without any irony, it just totally. sounds like the coolest thing you could ever say. I thought that was just what one person might say, but it seems like it's a common phrase used with these chases. It's pretty amazing. In the path of totality. <laughs> Marion's in McKinnon. Marion, you've been in the path of totality before. Uh, yes. Um, it's, it was August the 21st, 2017, because I'm looking at the poster I've got now, and... Um, I've, I've just been uh, rafting down the Colorado River, and someone said that there's the um, the someone said that there's a total eclipse. So we went to Jackson in Wyoming, and we rode the Snow King chairlift up to the top, and um, we sat there for about a half an hour, and then the, gradually the, the sky grew darker and darker, and we saw the total eclipse. And we're, we're hearing a lot about the feelings that people get when they, they see this eclipse. What, what did you feel? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really incredible that, that you know, that, well, I'll be in a different country, but, but you know, that you could, see the, you could see this happen. I'm just looking at my photographs now. The sun just gradually got darker and darker. Um, the moon took the whole, the whole uh, covered the whole of the sun. And I've got a photograph here. Everything's black except the uh, light colour, which is outside, you know, like the moon mm. just covers the sun, and then there's still the white, white um, light around the outside of it. Oh, 
yes, it was really. And then I found a poster down the street, a great big poster. <laughs> so I brought it home with me, and it shows the it shows the um, the path all the way across the US. Of where this is you something to remember. Where do you hang the poster, Marion? Well, actually, I had I found it in a drawer just now. Oh, we're looking for it when we're talking about it. Well, I'm glad that we reminded you of it, and lots of people remembering actually about the paper because I'm with you, Eden. I'd be like, how would you know to get the bit of paper? I would have no idea. But many people are saying we're actually taught at school in the '60s about the paper and how to watch eclipses. So you're heading to Exmouth, or maybe like Mary, and you've been overseas and you've been somewhere like Colorado, and you've seen a total solar eclipse. And so you've got this sort of shimmering glow around the, 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 the blackened disk of the sun. As you mentioned earlier, the stars become visible, planets become visible, uh, and the temperature drops. It is an, an extraordinary experience. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Eden Henninen joining you from ABC Ballarat. And I kind of wish, Eden, that we were heading to Exmouth on the 20th of April now. I, like, I'm hooked. <laughs> I definitely are. To be honest, I didn't know that it had this like such large following around the world. You know, you hear about these things when you're younger to tune in at this time, at this place. But yeah, it's pretty unreal. Eclipse chasers to get in the path of totality. <laughs> Joe Carley is a solar eclipse chaser and he will be, I think you've chased 15 eclipses and you've seen them everywhere except the Antarctic. Joe, I'm presuming you also will be in Exmouth come April 20th? That's right, Rochelle. Uh, hi, Rochelle and Eden. Thank you for having me. So uh, what makes you chase eclipses? What is, is it the visuals? Is it the feeling that you get? Is it the, the position that you feel you have in the universe? Take us there. So it's a little bit of everything, I guess. But um, I guess my, my first total eclipse was in 1994. And I was planning to go backpacking in South America for a few months. And I found out that there was also a solar eclipse. And I'd had a lifelong interest in astronomy anyway so i thought well why not so uh, i organized to go there at the time when i could visit the eclipse or, or visit a place where i could see totality and um the place i went to was at the south end of a lake called lake popo in the south of bolivia the altitude was nearly fifteen thousand feet and, and the view was just incredible. I mean, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. And uh, that that then really hooked me, and I knew that wasn't going to be my last. <laughs> how, how cool do you sound saying I've been on the cliffs of Bolivia and all these places around the world? What was your favourite location? Was it Bolivia? Um, I guess in term because of the altitude, the air was incredibly clear. And the extent of corona we could see from Bolivia at 15,000 feet was, was just amazing. But there are two other places that really, uh, really got me. Look, there have been quite a few, I mean, in the course of 15 eclipses. But uh, I saw one eclipse from just 800 metres from the North Pole up in a place called Svalbard. And that was just quite amazing. It was minus 23 degrees. And at that temperature, the air is also crystal clear, and wow. with the you know snow-covered mountains all around, it was just remarkable. And Joe, given that you've seen fifteen different eclipses from you know all around the world, and some of the most incredible locations, without I guess putting a negative spin on this, towns, I, they'll be small towns. This will be a huge moment for them. 
there will be opportunities to maybe raise prices, to rent out your home for Airbnbs. What's your experience been when it comes to Exmouth in, in Western Australia in preparing for this? Look, um, they, they've certainly elevated their prices and um, the, the thing is a town can make a choice when they are hosting an eclipse because there's a, you know, May, they, they, they're saying maybe 50,000 people coming to Exmouth. But Exmouth has its own attractions. So a town can view an eclipse as an opportunity to get those 50,000 people to tell all their friends about what a fantastic place Exmouth is to visit even without an eclipse. Or they can cash in and all those people probably won't tell their friends to go there mm. so and you know that's the thing it's a little bit hard to tell how much they've elevated the prices but um certainly it, it seems pretty expensive to to go there if you're just trying to book a motel or something like that well i hope despite the prices joe that uh, this is another pretty incredible 16th eclipse for you to see thanks so much for your time this morning thank you very much rochelle We'll have a chat to the Mayor in just a moment, but Trish has called through. Morning, Trish. Oh, good morning. What did you witness? Um, we were living on a bush block in Yarra Junction, four and a half k out of the town, in the 80s, mid-80s, and I think it must have been a weekend, and there was a 110-acre um, block next to us, which at the time was mostly clear. So my neighbours who were on a five-acre further down the hill and my partner and I, between us had seven children, we arranged to walk up to the top of the hill and sit just below where the big tall gum trees were. We had a 360-degree view of the Yarra Valley and down the back towards Pottles Creek, Jembrook area. It was awesome mm. because... Everything went quiet as the eclipse began to happen. We taught all the kids not to look. And the birds all went quiet. Everything was like total silence. And Trish, you're talking and, um, about a, a story from the 1980s. It must be something that 1980s. has really yeah, really resonated with you to this day. Yeah, and it stayed with my kids. My three girls are all adults now, but it certainly yeah. stayed with them too. as such an experience. And sometime... Around the, it was either before or after that, can't remember, it was 1986, Hallie's Comet. We had a. Yes, the one uh, I didn't get up for. <laughs> That's my family. What, what time was it? I was time? early. You know, I don't think my mum could be bothered either. Yeah. It was early morning. Trish, thank you for sharing that. Mark's in Ballarat. Morning, Mark. Oh, good day. Um, we lived in Sunbury. 76, 77, there was an eclipse, and it got quite dark. It was in the afternoon. Um, we had some chooks and as it started getting dark they all started going to bed <laughs> and a few minutes later it started to get light so they had to start getting up again what confusion. The, chook, the chooks are the most impacted i feel like of all of the the poultry <laughs> or all of, <laughs> of the, all the animal animals world. <laughs> yeah such confusion <laughs> for these little birds <laughs> yeah and can you um, remember what it was like to witness mark oh it was quite dark um yeah that's about it 
It was in our backyard. It was in our backyard, so it was no big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't have that big life-changing experience that others had, but the, the chooks were a little bit confused. Darlene Alston is the Exmouth Shire Mayor. Darlene, good morning. I mean, the town, no doubt, has been preparing for this event for years and years. What are some of, I guess, your major concerns to have something like 50,000 people come to your town of what is normally around 3,000. What do you need to prepare for? Look, there's lots to prepare for in terms of, um, you know, obviously what we have available in accommodation and stuff. But just to go back to the comments around expected numbers. So what we're anticipating is that 50,000 people will come into the Gascoigne region. So they won't necessarily be coming into Exmouth. They'll be going to other places such as Onslow and Carnarvon, Shark Bay, that still have a degree of totality during the experience. So we're not necessarily, you know, expecting 1,000 people into Exmouth directly. Of the the 50,000, though, that will, or some that will be heading to that part of town, will you be able to accommodate everyone? Yeah, look, we've put um, quite a few things in place so that we can accommodate the expected numbers. We've got a large overflow campsite, which has been um, devised specifically for the total solar eclipse, which actually has over a thousand sites. And then, of course, we still have all our regular holiday tourist accommodation, um, which we still have some vacancies in in the accommodation as well. So still, you know, luxury holiday homes available. We still have campsites available. There's sort of lots of options in between. We just heard from um, a caller before saying that the prices they've noticed in the area have just gone up exponentially. Is that something that you've noticed? Look, I think, you know, there's some accommodation providers that have had to work their pricing around availability of staff, of course, the duration of the stay and being able to get um, rooms cleaned and, you know, during that period of time. Um, But, yeah, so there's probably some which have been slightly elevated but it's our peak time anyway so the prices generally are a little bit more expensive over the over the school holiday period what about things like water and sewerage and all of that sort of boring but essential um elements well it is is boring Rochelle, but it's definitely essential so um we have put some plans in place we've been working really hard with um department of water with that and we've actually got a six million litre tank which has been installed as part of our overflow camp facility that I was referring to. So that will help service that area so that there'll obviously be water to supply for the toilets, the camp kitchen, all of the things which are being provided in that area for people which um, are either travelling in RVs or travelling with a tent. So there's the two areas of the park where you'll be able to have access to toilets and showers if you're not self-contained and you're you're actually just you know camping with your tent or your swag um so that's going to help you know give us the facility that we need for that so it's definitely a big addition to what we normally have available for the town and i know darlene covid's been a pretty rough time uh, over the past few years for a lot of country towns so i hope that this really yeah. you know puts um the area back on the map for you 
Yeah, look, I think um, Exmouth, you know, fared fairly well in terms of tourists because obviously there's lots of people that haven't been able to leave Western Australia during those lockdown periods of COVID. So a lot of people thought it was a great time to check out their own backyard. So we've had lots of people mm. come and, and do their bucket list tour and, you know, do our attractions. And we do have lots on offer here because of, obviously we're Ningaloo Reef, we've got our whale sharks our Cape Range National Park. So lots of walks, lots of things yeah. for family. So beautiful. It's well. so oh, well, beautiful. Yeah. Well, good luck in the coming months. I'm sure it'll be a wonderful event. That's Darlene Alston there, the Exmouth Shire Mayor. Let's go to our final Eclipse Chaser, who's actually based in WA, but heading to Exmouth, Graham Keeler. Graham, good morning. Welcome to the Conversation Hour. I guess you're one of the, the closer Eclipse Chasers, so it's not too far for you to go. Is this, I mean, are you going just because you're a local or are you an Eclipse Chaser in general? Yeah, definitely an Eclipse Chaser in general. Uh, so this uh, will be my third Eclipse. Um, and the advantage of being local is I can, uh, it's a short drive, it's a very quick drive, so, yeah, relatively speaking, in WA. Um, and yeah, we can take all of our photography gear and telescopes up and yeah, ho- hoping for some really nice uh, photos of this event. And where will we be staying in the area? Have you um, managed to get accommodation? Yes, so I'm, uh, I'll be down in Yardy Creek, which is um, a nice out of the way. I think there's about 10 campsites there in total. And I was lucky enough to get one of those spots. So, and how did this start for you, Graham? Did you happen to see the first one? You know, right place, right time, and then you were hooked. Or how did Eclipse Chasing start for you? Yeah, look, uh, two thousand. I joined the local astronomy club in Sydney, and uh, two thousand and one, they went to Turkey to view an eclipse there. Um, after seeing that, it will. It's an event that will change your life. Uh, I tell everyone who is interested in eclipses, um, do the best you can to see a total solar eclipse in your life because it's uh, one of those things you just can't replicate um, via film or, or media. You have to experience it for yourself. And we've been talking about this on the program, Graham. Sometimes you see something <laughs> unbelievable and you kind of forget about it after a certain period of time. Is this something that just carries throughout your entire life? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's only a couple of minutes for each eclipse, but for those couple of minutes, there's um, things that you just you will never forget. Um, the, the feeling of the the coolness of the air, the sound of the birds that are chirping away, so I think it's uh, sunset. Uh, all the little things you you just yeah, it really sets your place on the on the planet within the solar system. It's a really good feeling. And did it change other aspects of your life, Graham? Did you then start to alter your work in order to be able to change eclipses, or how how did it change your life in other ways? Uh, it got me definitely got me into astronomy a, a fair bit more than um, just a passing interest. So I'm now studying uh, the astronomy field, and it, I guess it all did sway from those uh, couple of years where I joined I joined the, the club and then experienced uh, this thing that they said you should really do, and it was absolutely no regrets there. That's pretty incredible that from seeing an eclipse, it's completely changed kind of the path of mm. your career, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, to all the eclipse chaser hopefuls out there, uh, once <laughs> you do one, you will, you, will never, you will never forget it and you, you will definitely um, lust for more. Once you're in the path of totality, it's a life changing. I just wanted to say it again, <laughs> Graham. We wish you all the best, mate. It just, uh, yeah, I'm apps. I'm so, as the kids would say, I'm well gel of everything that is happening with the, the <laughs> eclipse chasers at the moment. Let's hope that it's a perfect night and that the weather is on your side and you get to experience another life changing moment. Thanks for your time. All right, thank you very much for your time.
Good on you, Graham Keller there. That's his third eclipse. And we hear time and time again, don't we, that life-changing experience, mm. Eden, which is just wonderful. So a huge thank you to everybody that shared their stories today. Eden Henninen, as always, thank you so much Thanks for joining yourself. us from ABC Ballarat. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.